Hello there, welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. I'm Justin. Guys, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank, Thanks for having me. Thank both of you for being here today. I get lonely sometimes. Oh, it's been a quiet week, has it not been? You, know? you hear those crickets. Oh, wait, no, I was listening to uh, Discord. That was different cricket. Crazy. Sorry. Well, I, Justin, yeah. listen, we can't uh, – there's a new provision in our, in, our, in our bylaws. Uh, we can't skip Justin's weekend. Uh, what's been going on with you? Yeah, that's right. You almost spit out his drink. <laughs> that's right. We're keeping track of things over yeah, here. Yeah, it was what's, an ice cube. I wasn't ready to take that one in yet. Keeping track of you on your weekend. I need to know – I need a full report, buddy. Yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. I think it started oh. on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> that's a good weekend. Where I, I kind of had uh, – I, I won too many pitchers of old fashioned uh, at a at a little thing I was at. Okay, and, what was uh, this little thing? Prime, uh, Prime. Uh, oh, you know, not a sponsor, but oh, mm. I don't I don't go to restaurants anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I went out there be, before the pan. Like I just I stopped going. I stopped socializing long before the pandemic. <laughs> it was almost like my instincts knew it was coming. And I, and and I just yeah I, I shut down as a as a social <laughs> human being. Better get used to it now. Yeah, but it, but tell me about your frequenting the the the, the establishments in the town. We yeah, well, it was just a one one. It was just a one off, uh, and then the next day one off show. The next day it just, it just went out for the you know for a Saturday night, um, but it was a Wednesday night. Yeah, I had a uh, god damn it. It was it was tough. Uh, ate about a hundred dollars of uh, of Mexican food the next day. Uh, shout out to Aunt Chiladas, uh, great Northport, mm-hmm. really phenomenal place. Uh, in in my hungover stupor, I was uh, able to snag a, a PlayStation Five uh, off of the internet frenzy <laughs> that was going on, which uh, which was great because that that arrived yesterday. Um, oh, congratulations! So that, yeah, that was really fun. Um, then, like you know, Saturday it took me four hours to change my oil. Uh, I just couldn't get the damn filter off. You know, okay. you're supposed to grease the the little gasket when you put the filter on. Right, the old Cherokee XJ. Uh, it wouldn't come off, so I, you know, my backup plan is just to stab it with like uh, a giant screwdriver, okay. maybe get some torque on it. Mm. But it's made out of such cheap metal now that you're just ripping the metal as you're trying to, you know, fucking uh, you know, like, yeah. uh, spin it off. So I'm like, you know what? Finally, I'm gonna cave and I'm gonna get the proper tool, you know, one of them uh, oil uh, wrenches, wrenches right? you yeah, know, yeah. the the the, the print, little ratchet kind of wrench guy. So I go to Home Depot and I pick one of those up, and that was an ordeal. But you know, oh, for boy. another time, and I get back to the garage and I and I put that on there, and I'm you know I'm going towards the block the way it should be, and then that thing, that wrench just bends. I just completely bend the metal, mm-hmm. probably because I was listening to that, uh, uh, you know, what was that? That was some cephalic carnage, you know, which I like uh, a lot. Slow down, which is pretty insane. Slow it all down. Wow. So slow it all down. Uh, yeah. Cheap metal. I don't like it. Wow. Damn. Cheap metal. I, I zeroed in when you said that. Okay. Hurts. Remember that for later. What's going on? Wow. Amazing. So Tell, c- c- conclude this, this oily, greasy, lubed up fantasy of yours, please, so we can get to the family portion of the Flash show. forward hours later, I finally get it off and the new one on and then, you know, fill, fill my baby girl up with the sweet, sweet oil that I purchased for her. And that was, that was all fine. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I'm taking a rest uh, last night and you know what I did? I sat down and watched the Grammys. I, I didn't. Oh. I, first of all, I didn't know that you take rests. I also didn't know that you that you watched uh, the, the Grammys. Well, sometimes, sometimes I like to live like jazz. Yeah. It's the notes I don't play. It's those rests. 
that are so important. <laughs> the jazz. Uh, <laughs> do they even give awards to jazz anymore? Or is yeah. it just all like the SoundCloud rappers and, and yeah, drug? they don't televise it. Yeah, uh, but yeah. you know, I you they know, put it in an elevator. Maybe we can introduce this as a new segment on the podcast where it's uh, J Wall dabbles into the mainstream, so Will and Tom don't have to. I'll, I'll take it. It, it sounds it sounds like you're trying to repackage the venting episodes. <laughs> That's all that really sounds like it's going to be. I might not vent them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. If you if we, if we all know where this is going if we talk about the Grammys or the Emmys or any of that horse shit. I'm talking about me. pussy. So, yeah. I I want to pose a question to you guys. Because I'm all about, you know, I love the women's. I love them. Okay. I, uh, I'm engaged to one. It's yeah. going very nicely. Yeah. Um, so I'm watching uh, the, the Megan the Stallion, the Cardi B, okay. uh, performing uh, WAP uh, for the first time live on television. Okay. Right. You know? And, I, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, uh-huh. I had this thought to myself. Huh. Are, are, are big butts too mainstream now? Hmm. Do Good I question. Do I now not hmm. like big butts because wow. of how... Uh, network television appropriate they are. Oh. It was nothing but butts, which sounds great. Right? All, no pun intended. All things have come full circle. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Um, you, you know, they liked them round, big, and juicy back in the day, but that was one song, and it was, I want to say everybody was wearing pants. There was very little left to the imagination on the on the Gram Grams last night. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that there's much imagination involved in any of that music. That I that no, celebrate. Good point. Yeah, 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 this is yes. Yeah, um, well, I mean, that's pretty much. If I really, it's bad for the industry. If you're right, Justin, because as far as I'm aware of, that's the only selling point left of this music. Right. Is so the asses. Yeah, and I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to bring this this uh, or pose this question uh, to our you know our underground metal fans and and you guys alike. Um, are, are, are butts too big uh, in the mainstream now? Right. And will you join me in uh, maybe rebelling against any sort of sexual activity because of how mainstream <laughs> it is? Like, I liked uh, the sex demo. Yeah. And maybe the yeah. first record was pretty good. But now, you know, now that it's blown up, all I right, might take a back right. seat and Tom, see what's next. how was your weekend? Uh, okay. And uh, I don't want to know anything about your personal life. I'm busy thinking about Justin's weekend right now. But uh, seriously... <laughs> I went to the beer distributor. Uh, I do this every weekend, pretty much. I go to a beer distributor, and I get something juicy off the shelf. (sighs) There we go. Juicy. Come on. Can we we just bring up, elevate the conversation a little bit? So I found this Three Floyds collaboration, Mm -hmm. or split, that they did with Pig Destroyer here. Split, yeah. Uh, Yeah, It's the permanent funeral. Oh. I picked up two of these four packs. I already drank one. Oh. They're 10%, so I drank 40%. Oh, boy. And, man, it gets. But I brought some to share with you guys. Maybe we can crack them open, you know? Oh, well, oh. parlay my vu. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, besides that, I mean, I saw a really cool hawk today. Oh, Damn. wow. What? Yeah, oh, what happened? Uh, Just sitting outside. You know when you get one a big bird in the yard and you go... Thank yeah. God for this planet. I've always, I, uh, my, I think my fifth birthday, we had Big Bird uh, come by. Yeah. He was in the yard. Yeah. Yeah, it's harder to get his number now, you know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm grateful for that. So let's crack this beer open. Let's see what's up. Oh, also, okay. shout out to uh, Atlas Brew Works. They are really the brewery of our heart, but we got to try this other well, stuff. Well, we, we ran out. We so ran that, out. That's, yeah, that, so that's actually the last official shout. 
Yeah. That's all they get. That's Alex the last Brewers. one. You're right. Until they send us some more beer. What do you expect us to yeah. do? Right but. now, we're <laughs> it, when it comes to our beer uh, uh, sponsorship game, we're free agents right now. Right. Right now, mm-hmm. Tom just bought this uh, Three Floyds Brewing uh, from Munster, Indiana. That's Indiana, right, I-N? Yeah, uh, yep. yeah. I, yep. I, I used to tour in bands. I know this stuff. I'm yeah, not a well, and, yeah. not a well-educated man. Um, but yeah, shout to them. We're buying their beer. Maybe they'll send us some for free. We talk about bands. Uh, holler at us. Uh, this is um, this is an interesting. Uh, I, I like this label. It, it, it's kind of uh, the, the the artwork. It's kind of like a cassette tape like size. You know, it's cool. I think they missed out on um, a few naming opportunities. One that comes to mind is 38 counts of IBUs. Mm. Yeah, could I? But wow. That, could I be? It's got that, a pop to it. It is strong. That's good. It's very flavorful. It's strong, but yeah, it's not overpowering. It's like just enough. It kind of like eases the rock solid grapefruit into your skull. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also, oh, I brought oh. I brought the second most heavy beer I could find at the beer distributor, Budweiser. Amazing. Thank you. Pop the trailer. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, that, that's what I was doing. Well, how was your weekend, man? Um, my weekend uh, didn't really exist. I, uh, I've been working a lot, doing a lot of the old overtime. You know me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I want to thank you guys, honestly, and I did need a drink. It's You're been welcome. a long day, and, I, you know, you guys haven't really been making me feel uncomfortable or pointing out the fact that I'm wearing skinny jeans and a flat-brim cap and a New York Knicks throwback jersey that – Cuts off the circulation to my gut and man boobs. Um, and that's because I'm trying to fit in with the kids. Uh, not trying to look like a narc at the heart. I'm trying to try, try. I'm trying to stay in touch with the young people out there. And we all know we all know that the hardcore music is, is more youthful. It's more towards the youth youth side of the scene. You know, I'm the I'm the creepy old death metal guy with the beard, a little dandruff in my beard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, right. Gotta take a little shower. Maybe maybe buy a some sort of pharmaceutical for the beard. I don't know. You know, a lot of these shows are all ages. But. Ointment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say all ages, but once you start hitting 40 and, and up, man, it, you just got to look, you know, you unless you're like the buff skinhead guy with all the tattoos, that's like the OG. You're like, the father figure. Yeah. Like, know, that, like got- that guy can be 40 and up and go to the show. But like me, like, come on, the hardcore shows, man, you, you look a little weird creeping into the basement shows. It's a big old, everyone's invited, but maybe you should go to a different show. Well, I, I disagree. I disagree with you guys, but I love you as well. So go ahead. Yeah, forever young. All right. The, the Jay-Z sampled version. OK, but <laughs> but um, but but anyway, we're going to get to the bottom of it today, I think, uh, as I infiltrate the hardcore community, not like a narc, but more like uh, an open minded journalist, because yeah. our guest tonight is Dan Lamelli, drummer of Incendiary and Carcosa, local Long Island hardcore bands. Let's get him on here. Welcome aboard. Put him on the phone. 631. Heavy Hole Podcast. This is Big Will. Join with me, as always, my loyal co-hosts, Tom and Justin. Hello. 
Tonight, our special guest, Dan Lamelli, drummer of Incendiary and Carcosa, two local Long Island bands. How you doing, Dan? Very good. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, no problem. It's cool to hang out. Love it. So it's a fun thing yeah. to do. Good to see you, man. Awesome, man. Yeah, likewise. And, and Dan, you know, we have a lot of questions about Incendiary um, and Carcosa and your, your work in the scene and in music and stuff, but we always start from the top. And it's not every day that we have uh, a local guest. Uh, we, you know, we, we go oh, around cool. the world sometimes, so it's, it's glad to have somebody um, that doesn't think my accent is crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Dan, are you originally from Long Island? Yeah, yeah, my whole life. What part, if you don't mind telling us? Um, I grew up in Selden. Uh, which is like, I guess for any like Nassau County people, that's like huh. out east, but it's like there's still a lot more east than where Selden is. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. look at a map, I think it's almost like about the halfway point of the island, really. More there's, or less. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah uh, it's, it's it's like 62 on the LIE. Yeah. Like it's right, right around over there. Like right before you get into the Midwest uh, east Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We just had our last Long Island guest, I think by the time this comes out, will, will have been Mikey Stack from the band False Gods, and he was from Selden. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Too. Yeah, we, so we just we're covering all the ground in Selden out there. Nutty, yeah. Uh, but, what's it called? A bunch of the um, the stray guys are from Selden, like live down the block from me and around the block from me and stuff. Oh hell yeah! Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. A big um, uh, straight from the path. The yeah, 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 yeah. The local Long Island, but just for the listeners. Um, so, uh, well, th- that's that's a good question because what I always um, that's a good point. What I always start off the interview with right right off the top is. Are you from uh, a particularly musical family, musicians in your family, or even people that are friendly to punk, hardcore metal, anything like that in your family? Um, yeah, on my, on my dad's side, my dad and his brother uh, were in a band growing up. My dad uh, plays guitar, and uh, my uncle plays bass. And um, so my dad, you know, being uh, someone who played music, kind of gave me that ability to, like, practice drums when I was younger at the house, and not, like, it wasn't a huge deal. Um you know, so so I do come from, you know, and like with him introducing me to music and bands and stuff like that when I was younger, like stuff that he used to listen to. So I think that like kind of, you know, helped things along. Your your, uh, your dad and your uncle in any bands we might have heard of or? Just like oh, no. They, I mean, they just played in they played like the prom, you know, and they would <laughs> play like songs like that. I don't know if they had like originals or anything like that. I mean, once but, you play the prom, you could call it quits. He did it. You know, that's, that's, yeah. that's it, man. Uh, what kind of stuff are they introducing you to back in the day? Um, well, my dad uh, got me into the earliest thing that I remember him like showing me was like he was getting me into like like uh, 80s like hair metal stuff like uh, Poison, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, like stuff like that, like in the in the 80s and stuff like that, because that's like kind of like what he was hearing new on the radio. Yeah. Um, but he was a big classic rock guy. So he was like a Beatles, Led Zeppelin guy instead of uh, the Stones and the Who. I think I think you're. It's like it's like the Rangers. The it's like the Rangers, <laughs> Rangers Giants, Nets. and Yankees, uh, something like that. Or yeah. the Islanders, Mets, you know, Jets. It's like you don't fall out of that lane. So um, so he you know he showed me a lot of that like you know BAB classic rock stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say BAB target audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I am BAB. Same. The, the Long Island listeners get us right now. I used oh to, yeah. Yeah. When I was working like I used to work construction back in the day with my dad and he was like, mm-hmm. it was just all BAB man. Like, well, it's formative. BAB. Yeah. I I don't know if you guys remember Q one hundred four point three. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. There's a lot. Um. But but we'll we'll get into Long Shout Island radio history <laughs> another time. I'm trying to talk Long Island hardcore oh, history. I, I can talk about Eddie Trunk all day. Let's yeah. Go. Oh man, <laughs> we were just talking about Eddie Trunk. Oh yep. man. 
I, I, I'll, I'll, we're gonna keep it family right now. You, I know you, I know you have a, I know you have a young family, Dan. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch my language. All right. I'm not a big fan of that metal show. All right. I'm a big fan of this metal show. Uh, so, all right. So Dan, um, well, your your dad and your uncle are playing instrument. What was it? Drums at first? Like why? Why drums? Um, yeah, it was always drums. So I played in the school band in like fourth and fifth grade. And so in third grade, um, they, there's like this day where they're like, if you're interested in playing an instrument in the school band, come to the gym and we'll see what we could do, you know? And I wanted to play the saxophone initially because I thought it looked cool. It sounded cool. And um, so when I when they sat me down, my hands were too small. I was like really, really short up until 11th grade, believe it or not. But I was like, my hands weren't big enough to do the saxophone. And they were like, we need drummers. Do you want to do the drums? And I was with my friend Glenn and he just looked at me and he was just like, yeah, let's do it together. And I just remember that. Like, it was just like, okay, we're going to do the drums. And then that was it. Oh, yeah. And then... Um, I was in school band until like sixth grade where I got kicked out because I didn't practice, but they never gave me parts to play. So how can I practice if you don't give me parts to play? It was like a weird catch 22. I don't think they just, I think they just didn't want me in the school band anymore, to be honest. <laughs> tough, tough. Yeah. All right. An, out, yeah. an outsider from the go. Mm -hmm. I get it. it. Uh, Confirm yeah. drumsticks thinner than saxophones. Huh. Oh yeah, yeah, much easier to handle, and it seemed cooler. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Tommy Lee's awesome. Let's, you know, let's let's give let's give this a try. <laughs> Well, all right. So there's a, there's allegedly there's some sort of falling out with the school drum program. I, all right, yeah. we we don't want to we don't want them to sue us. Something happened there. It was fishy. Something happened. Yeah, right. it was fishy. Uh, yeah. But but it didn't it didn't deter you from playing the drums though. You you continue you stu you stuck with. When do you get your own kit? Um, so it was right after I got kicked out of the school band, which was like at the end of sixth grade, and my dad said do you still want to play the drums? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, my dad's a landscaper. So he's like, if you work on the truck for the summer, we'll get a drum set at the end of the summer. Nice. And I would like, I worked like three days a week with my dad doing landscaping stuff when I was like 13 years old. And, uh, and then I got a drum. I came home one day, there was a drum set downstairs and my dad was like tuning it up. It was like nuts. Wow. Yeah. Listening so to WBAB. Cool. Doing landscape. This yeah. is this is this is great. This is so Long Island. This is why we got to yeah. do the Long yep. Island artists. All right, Same. we could we could go to Africa and talk to Overthrust. We could go to Germany and talk to Defeated Sanity. But now you're talking my language. We're home. right back home. I love this it. Just hits different. You know? Yeah, it does, man. Uh, you're in Selden. You're you're mm -hmm. mowing the lawns, trying to get that first drum kit. I love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, allegedly fishy business with the schools out there. All right, mm -hmm. so. You get your. Do you remember just for the listener? Do you remember your first drum kit? What it was? Oh, absolutely, I do. It was a this company called Track, which I think yeah. I don't know if it was like a Sears catalog brand or like a third company. You know, like Tama, like you know, like their a subsidiary of a subsidiary. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but it was a it was a black sparkle track kit. It was uh, 10, 12, 14 with a twenty inch bass drum, and it had like the um, the post that went through the middle. Um, the original, actually, the I have one of the original symbols that I had from that kit. It was uh, it was a Pace ride. I think it was a 602, and then I was using it for a crash for a while, and then it broke. And then I got it mounted, and I gave it to my dad for Christmas. Um, it was like because it was like that was like the thing that started it, and I kept the broken symbol, and I, I mounted it on like a like a platform. Amazing. Nice. Nice. You ever you ever end up jamming with your dad and your uncle or anything like that? 
Um, me and my dad and my and my brother started to play guitar. So me and my dad and my brother would play every once in a while. And I, I did used to play with my dad when I was younger. Um, my because my dad's a landscaper, he's gotten into like a couple of accidents over the years. Um, and he like he's he's he most recently cut, almost cut off like two of the fingers on his no. hand. Yeah. But he like he he bounces back like unbelievably good. And part of his physical therapy is going to be like playing you know like guitar again. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So it's kind of like motivation for him and me and my brother and you know hopefully we got my uncle down and uh you know like all four of us play together for the first time which would be crazy that'd be awesome wow I, that is yeah. great man i'm i'm I, i'm sorry to hear for your dad's uh yeah uh incident there man but i'm glad that that's actually uh maybe driving the family together in a way man that's we we've you know we've heard a few stories over the years with our guests about kind of family band situations but they mm-hmm. are far and few between man that's great that's very special man um, um, and, and like, uh, you know, an, an additional thing I do play. So through like probably starting in the middle of the summer, um, me and my brother and a couple of our friends, we get together and jam like covers. And we got up to like 16 covers before huh. um, we had the baby and I, we weren't able to do it as regularly. But we were doing like once a month and we got like 16 covers down. It was fun as hell <laughs> you give it a few years the baby will have an instrument in their hand yeah, no, you, uh, oh, yeah you'd be for sure play, playing your yeah. uh your little boy's prom uh, yeah you know, <laughs> full circle <laughs> full circle just kind of you know <laughs> sneak a bass in the crib yeah <laughs> never hurt nobody that's right that's right little baby exactly. bass um all right so you do the landscaping you get the first drum kit do you ever take lessons after that or you just stick with what what the school started you out with and go for go for broke yeah, I'm, I mostly figured out everything, like, just figure it out. You know, like, my dad had, like, a little bit of an idea of how to play drums, but he, you know, he could just, like, simple rock beat stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I just started with that and then just tried to figure it out, you know? And I'd watch a lot of stuff on MTV and TV. This was, like, this is, like, pre-YouTube, mind you. This is, like, 96, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. so it was just it was just figure it out. And I just tried to play as much as I could with as many different people as I could, you know, in those like early, early years of playing the drums. So talking about um, the early years of playing drums. Uh, well, let me phrase. I, I know that you you were in a uh, local band, A Love for Enemies, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 which which I do remember. You know, I'm I'm 38. I remember seeing the name mm-hmm. around and stuff like that on flyers and all that sort of thing from back in the day. Is that? Let me let me ask you this way: Is that your introduction to underground music and music of a more kind of extreme nature, um, so to speak, hardcore punk and that sort of thing? Um, joining that band and with those cruel guys, or does it come before that? It was before that. Okay, so let, let's talk about your exposure to more extreme music than what mm-hmm. they play on BAB. Sure. Um, okay, so let's see. When I was in like seventh grade, um, for some reason, Discover gave me a credit card, <laughs> and I used that credit card to do wow. the Columbia House uh, twelve CDs for a penny deal. Yes, um, doubling down so, on bad finance. I mean, I was <laughs> I, 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 I always saw that deal, but like, off, like yeah, okay, off go the jump. I was, I was, I was, I yeah. was spending money I didn't have since I didn't have money to spend that I didn't have. So yes. Ameri- so we're so <laughs> so Long Island, so American right now. It's I feel like it's my story. Okay, <laughs> so I had and like I recognized like six artists in the huge like uh you know scholastic book fair thing that they give you to order the cds from columbia (laughs) house and then like i was just like oh this looks cool pantera far beyond driven check (laughs) you know um without uh, knowing anything without without knowing just 
picking it because it looked cool and I kind of recognized the name. You know, like I, and it, there was like a, like I got a bunch of like soundtracks. You know, like oh, the Crow soundtrack, check. Yes, you know, like, what a good soundtrack. Like that. That's that's a good um, one. That's a good one. What it, and so so like that was just kind of like a huge explosion for me because it was just like for the first time after like. So I would say Nirvana Nevermind was the first music that I kind of like thought was that I had ownership of. That was like fifth mm. grade. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like, I guess the first like, not mainstream, but mainstream, it was like, it was different. You know, it was different than everything else. And I think because I it like resonated with me at that age, I felt like, oh, this is like, this is this is my music now. Like I know what what, what my dad feels with stuff that he listened to when he was my age now, yeah, you know, yeah. because like I'm feeling it here with this. Um, so I think Nirvana was probably the first like heavier stuff, but then like I started finding more metal stuff with that Columbia House CD thing. Um, it was around that time I think the Black Album also came out, and I had a couple of like neighborhood kids that were listening to it. Um, I wasn't really like huge. I don't remember being that hugely into it. I was more a Pantera guy, um, and I didn't really get into Metallica until much later. Okay, wow, I, I agree with you again, uh, personally. <laughs> yeah. I, I have nothing against Metallica. Oh, not at all. You, you know what I mean? But I've always like I've I've always said I'm more of a Megadeth guy, but I'm definitely more of a Pantera guy than a Metallica guy as well. Yeah, if you're, if you're, I mean, if you're going into if you're getting far beyond driven delivered to your home, and then you go check out the Black Album, I feel like you need a little more context. If you're doing yeah. what Pantera's oh it was doing. yeah it was yeah. it was far beyond driven and trend kill in the same Columbia house yeah show. It's, why know? bother so, with it? the black album is something mm -hmm. you gotta just like leave on the back burner I mean, for a while for after that. I've never yeah, expressed like, this on the show but I have I was very disappointed with the black album like yeah because we were talking earlier like um, before we roll in on the show like system of a down and stuff like that I got into that mm. stuff but black album that's not a good place to start with Metallica. Nah, it's, I, I I got into Kill 'Em All afterwards. There's certain like, albums you got, yeah. There's certain albums and bands discographies you got to hear in context. But I love this Columbia House thing. I remember there was a weird yeah. deal where you could, mm -hmm. like they'd be like twelve cents for a dozen tapes. And it we'll sounded it, like a scam. It was weird, and they like looped you into some sort of credit right. deal or something. That's what I don't it is because when you yeah. pay with a credit card, they, then you're on the hook, and then it's like a monthly subscription. But they don't tell you that. Yeah, and so you have to have like a minimum three month subscription at thirty dollars a clip. And then, like, if you, and then it doesn't turn off until you tell them. So you're getting all these CDs, and it's just like, what the fuck? And they just send you free stuff, and they just keep sending you stuff. But then they'll throw in some like free stuff, so you never really know if you have to pay for what you're getting. And then next thing you know, you're like a buck fifty in the hole. And then it's just like, I'm, I'm like seventeen. What the hell do I know? Like, oh what is going God. on? And so I had to cancel it. Dude, that was the nineties. Imagine being an adult yeah. in the nineties. That must have been wild. <laughs> Jesus. Imagine being an adult before the internet. Oh my god. I can't imagine. All right. So, That's insane. Well <laughs> Yeah. Dude, I'm that made me feel young for the first saying that made me feel young for the first time this year. Um all right. So speaking of being young, uh now you're into Pantera. Uh the black album is there. It's not hitting quite as right because you already spoiled yourself on Pantera. I get it. I've been there. Um now I mentioned your your band uh, uh a love for and is that your first band? Yeah. No, 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 no. I was in oh god. So it's weird. Uh, it's oddly enough, I, I like counted the amount of people, like different individual human beings I've played music with, 
and the amount of bands I've been in, like as a drummer, that, that yeah, that's you're on a different yeah. metric than anyone else as a drummer too for well, that, and also specifically a Long Island drummer because yeah. I think there's only five of us at a there, time. Yeah, yeah, um, I was, yeah, yeah. I was about to say. The, the other I, two I, are I, covering for your band right now. There's the subscription right service yeah. to Long Island drummers. I'll 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 take out as many Discover cards as necessary. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I've I've played with like oh, like 120 something people I and like yeah. like. It, like 21, 22 different bands, whether it was just like practicing, helping write wow. like a couple of songs, filling in, you know, played two shows with, doesn't matter. Like it was just like, it was nuts for that. But um, well, there oh, was well, like a, a, at least a dozen bands before Alfie. I mean, I I don't know if you want to name all of them. Give, give me like a, a little quick list because I'm, I'm fascinated by local music. I'm more of a death metal <laughs> grindcore guy, but I've always paid attention to what's going on over the years. And uh, some of our listeners are locals. What are some other bands maybe, you know, that people might remember, you know, from um, our age? I played in this band Fire for Effect, okay, uh, which was like 2003 to 2005, 2006. It was like right around the time... Like, they ended, and then I went into Alfie. That was the only band that kind of, like, did shows where people actually, like, went to. Like, we played a couple of Center Reach VFW, like, yes, all-day yeah. grindcore, metalcore fests. Yeah, I remember those um, in the early 2000s. Yeah, four, yeah we, 14 we bands played, at like, noon kind of deals, yeah. Yep, yep, and alternating sides of the venue. You know, like, the bigger bands ah. would play on the stage, and the local yeah. bands would play on the floor. you got to save time. Times. You're making me think of time. the uh, Walk Together, Rock Together festival. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that one. It was, uh, what was the, um, the poor guy passed away? And they used to throw the Jar- Jared Fest, right? Yes. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of those type of just you're just bringing back memories. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. So, um, so that was that would be the only I played in this. Um, I played in like a, I guess like a not really I, I don't know like a Vans punk um, band called Guy Incognito. That was the first band that I played in that like. I played shows regularly with, which was cool. I mean, it was just our friends, and we would play for free beer at like the courthouse in yeah. Merrick, you know. But yeah, um, yeah. all the you're you know, hitting was, all the hot spots just, now. Oh, Center each sure, VFW sure. Merrick. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So so um, now a love for enemies. I, you guys played out fairly often, right, uh, on Long Island? Um, yeah. Well, the, I was in the band for like nine months, like almost okay. a year, maybe okay. a little over a year. Um, I did uh, like two or three East Coast tours, like two week yeah. clips, and then we did a full U.S. Um, the the East Coast tours we did with Stray from the Path usually, mm-hmm. and then the full U.S. we did with a Day to Remember, which was nuts because it was like just before they yeah, like they broke be- yeah. where it became famous. It was like six months later they were like on MTV, and then wow. like two months after that they were headlining Warp Tour, which was crazy. <laughs> what was that your first uh, national tour? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my first full U.S. Wow. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about that experience going in? I mean, that, that must have been because at this point you've traveled around, uh, you know, a fair amount with incendiary and stuff like that. But th- back then you were kind of green, right? Right, right. Most of the shows that we played were either on Long Island or upstate New York, a couple yeah. in Pennsylvania, maybe New Jersey. Um, but A Love for Enemies was the first time I'd actually like gone for like, oh, we're playing a show every night for two weeks straight, you know, maybe one day off. And um, it was it was amazing. It was just like it was everything that I wanted to do. You know, it was just like this is this is the thing. Like, oh, remember the first show that you went to and you walked in and you said to yourself, "This is the thing." Yeah. You know, like do this experience. Even though it was like two weeks, and it was just like, oh yeah. And then we have another two weeks coming up in two months, and then after that, we're doing like a full month. You know, full U.S. tour. And it was just like, okay, cool. This is the thing. 
and uh, and I just it was like one of those like love at first sight things, you know. <laughs> Any um, well, you say a date to remember. It was right before they kind of got more way more popular. So were you playing yeah. smaller venues and like you know VFW style places along the way or? Yeah, and because like Alfie was a Christian band, we would play like a lot of church venues and church halls and like stuff like that and like like unbelievably taken care of. It was like Europe and America for people that have been on tour. That's pretty much like what it is. Like in Europe you get you get like um really taken care of with like food and place to stay and like, you know, venues with like a place where you could put your stuff down that's not just, you know, on the floor by the huh. bathroom. Yeah. Um you know, so it was like that. It was like they would call ahead and ask if anyone was allergic to anything that they were cooking for us. Wow, <laughs> you know, amazing. like, yeah, and we were, it was like, um, it was like about between 150 to 200 person shows for the, for most of it. And then when we played where A Day to Remember was from, it was like 500 people. And then I remember one show in Oklahoma was like nutso. It was like, it was like 600, 700 people. Wow. Well, shout but, out to, um, uh, uh Dan Valentino, man, we've had him on yeah. the podcast before. Uh, Dan yeah. Valentino, uh, Eric, Eric's still my boy. I hang out with him, you know, like, um, and then that whole tour was like the capped off at Face Down Fest, which was like a festival mm -hmm. from Face Down Records, and Alfie was on Face Down Records. Um, so it was that was like eleven hundred people, and that was like the most people I ever played to at the time, you know. So it was like that was like a really like awesome feeling. To so rad, man. What, what, and yeah, you mentioned Dan Valentino. We did for the listeners. We we have a whole episode with Dan, local business owner uh, and veteran of the local hardcore scene. Um, people can go back and check that out uh, uh, if if they're interested. And that is something we talked about with Dan is um, the Christian hardcore scene, the Christian music scene. We've interviewed um, Vision of God Records. We've we've had several uh, people from the Christian music uh, uh, circuit here. Um, I wanted to ask you, having toured. Uh, and playing the Christian Christian music venues, the Christian hardcore scene, there's like a lot of, I guess people from the secular music scene, like like we're from, and we spend most of our time in, maybe don't um, uh, have the, maybe the most accurate uh, idea of what that's like, or they have preconceived notions of that. Mm. Like having spent time in both the secular scene and the Christian music scene, could you maybe compare compare and contrast, uh, and maybe like is there. Is it extremely conservative to the point where people are telling you what to do and how to act, or is it maybe a little bit more more free than, than we think? I don't know. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think. They're honestly like it's just everybody's crazy. They're just a different shade of crazy. You know, like for every you know like nut job in such and such a scene, there's equal nut jobs of like yeah. the extreme variety in the other one. So like some venues were like, you can't swear on stage. And then like, you know, like you could still say like hell, but you couldn't say like ass and shit and bitch. Like you had to keep it like PG pretty much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, there was like certain merch designs that they wouldn't have or like, they, you know, like you might get a thing ahead of time about like a certain, you know, certain clothing or symbols or something like that, you know. Um, but for the most part, every, everyone was super, super chill, um, really like welcoming and stuff like that. Not really like, cause like I told them going into it, I was like, I do not care about religion at all. I think it's all dumb. You know, I think it's all super dumb. Um, but I really like playing the music and you guys are really cool to hang out with. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was like, I could take off of work. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, okay, that's cool. 
you know, it's not a big deal to us that you're not super religious. That's not what we're about, you know, like excluding people because of things that they may or may not believe. And you're a good person. So let's, you know, let's do it. And that's where it started with them, you know, after the tryout. Um, so like, and, but like, so you get the zealots regardless of um, what type of music scene. So there would be people that would like be like, um, when you say this in your lyrics, what exactly <laughs> do you mean by like the devil should pay? You know, like, or what, something like that, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like people like trying to super read between the lines are like, well, I think, you know, like and get like, you know, super in your face like that. I mean, that didn't really happen with us, but I saw it happen like in the merch area, you know, like people getting <laughs> like really okay. into it with bands. Really and yeah. With it. yeah. Heated philosophical sure. debates at the merch table of the Christian Hardcore Show. I love it. I, just yeah. wish, I wish it was. Sounds uh, like, it sounds like yeah. a uh, <laughs> like a metalcore song title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was about the blanks that you're putting the shirts on, not so much the designs on it. But that's, <laughs> that's my own personal preference. Well, <laughs> man, the um, no, it's it's just interesting to me, and I ask with all due respect. Like I said, we've had Christian Hell artists yeah. and people from the mm-hmm. Christian music scene on here. Uh, it's just something that fascinates me, and I think um, maybe there's uh, multiple perspectives on in the music industry, man. And that's interesting to hear that you yourself weren't, uh, you didn't join the band driven by your, your spiritual beliefs. You, you joined the band based on wanting to make music with these guys. Yeah. Heavy music transcends, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. And oddly enough, it was Tom from Stray from the Path who, who was my referral. He was my foot in the door because cool, Alfie and Stray both toured together a lot. Um, in those years and uh, he knew that they were you know their drummer was leaving and he knew that the band that I was in was kind of like fizzling and kind of getting stale and he was like listen man this band's going on tour we tour with them a lot they're good dudes like you should talk to them about playing drums for them I'll tell them I'll give them your information and you know like we could set something up you know and that was that oh yeah so million dollar matchmaker right there yeah seriously (laughs) so well maybe this is a good time uh, before we get too far ahead in, into uh, your current bands that you've been involved with for many years, yeah. Justin, you said you wanted to bring up something that you had talked to Dan in the past about, about drum technique. Oh, Dan, um, we had a conversation at at, uh, at AMH one time about mm-hmm. um, the, uh, like, your kind of stereotypical hardcore uh, Tom groove. Yeah. And and we were talking about uh, about your kind of approach to it in the sense that like you know uh, I'll, I'll bring i'll bring it this way it's like you go in you know, you can download superior drummer and you can like uh cycle through a folder of tom grooves right mm-hmm. and they have certain uh you know cer- certain things there and there's a, a a static kind of feeling you know this or that you listen to other bands they're kind of taken off of these other you know influences here or there but uh, I remember the conversation that we had where it was like a, you had a kind of philosophy about about fills and about grooves that I thought was um, kind of exceptional, uh, you know, to, to somebody from the outside, especially maybe somebody that's that's a truly like a death metal fan uh, looking at hardcore drums, thinking that they're simple. You know what I mean? Or thinking that, mm-hmm. that it's like a, a slowed down thing or something that's easy to play compared to, you know, if you just blast beat. Uh, being as a drummer and I've always been an advocate of uh, you know maybe the slower you play the more technical you are but this and so that but um, but yeah I, um, and, and thanks Will but I, yeah I wanted to bring up like uh, if you had anything to kind of um, kind of supplement that or, or your kind of philosophy behind uh, you know you know uh, spicing up 
you know, like when you when you when you came into a love for enemies, you were uh, mm-hmm. you were walking into uh, a, you know an established set of uh, established set list, if you will. Yeah. So so how did you put your flair on that, and and your philosophy on hardcore drumming, and maybe like where that took you uh, into the future from there? All right. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's a difference between like when you're when you're either like filling in or joining a, an existing band that already has songs versus writing with a band you're currently in. Yeah. Um, so if you're going into the situation like I was with Alfie, where they have an existing set list and like here's the songs that you play, um, like anytime that I want to like maybe change a fill around or have a different idea for oh it would sound better if we do it like this you know like bring it up at practice for us but like i always play to the song not to you know like what i think sounds cool there i want to play to what you know what would sound best in that part that we're playing um and if there's like you know spots where there's feels i try to with existing songs, I try to play them as close to the original as possible. But you put, you know, you put your little fingerprint on it here and there. Like you, you know, you could add a little, add a little thing, take something away, just so you know. It's just like, oh, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing. This is the way that I'm playing it. But it's, it, and as long as you're back on one, it doesn't really matter. You know. Yeah. Um, but I think with like the the Tom Grooves that you were talking about, I try to make it like a conversation between. Um, you know, not to be too heady or whatever, but like, like a conversation between the, the drums and the guitar and just like, you know, you just want to give it a, a place for things to rest on. So, you know, if there's, if there's chugging going on with the bass and the second guitar and you could put a, you know, a lead over it, you know, and, and leave some spaces in there for the, for the vocals to move around and everything will, you know, you'll get that, you know, desired effect without trying to, uh, you know, without trying to force it too hard. Well, that, that, um, I think that's that's exactly what you said to me when we were when we were talking about it, was that conversation mm-hmm. between uh, drums and guitar with the space for vocals, because you know, at least uh, in my opinion, like the you know those those particular parts are, are like this this like uh, creator of urgency, you know what I mean, or mm-hmm. this uh, this um, this hand on your back pushing you to the edge of the cliff before you fall off of it, if you will. Yeah, and. Uh, and and I thought yeah that's a it's a beautiful way to put it is um is to have this uh, you know dreaded conversation between instruments mm-hmm. um, as you're approaching this sort of drop uh, and I, I think it's a completely fascinating and and something that uh, that since we've had that is uh, like I've kind of paid attention to uh, throughout uh, you know uh, bands that I've heard since then uh, of uh, you know. You can find creativity in the simplicity, even if you listen to fast music or, or mm-hmm. whatnot. And um, you know that, that's been a, a admittedly learned thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Amadeus is a is a favorite movie of mine, and the old uh, "Too Many Notes" deal uh, always rings true to me. And is it always echo in my head. People's um, music, too many notes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'm down. Have the conversation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, really fucking cool. And. Uh, and I think we're going to get into uh, your later uh, musical endeavors that Will's mm. going to bring up so eloquently, uh, where I think this is most appropriate. You done? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've uh, had to kill him. All right. Uh, yeah, well, um, so, Dan, uh, all right, talking about your uh, – the, the the, the drum technique now um you know mm-hmm. you, you talk about adding 
uh, trying to add something a little bit different than maybe what's expected from, uh, uh, you know, your typical hardcore bands. And I think Justin was getting at, like, a lot of people, especially maybe, you know, in all fairness, listeners of our show, we have a lot of technical death metal fans and grindcore fans. Maybe people have the wrong perspective on hardcore, that it's simplistic or something like that. But in reality, it, it all really depends on the players. There's there's just like any other genre of music. And... Um, I wanted to get your uh, just your insight on drummers in general. Like, I don't know if you want if you want to talk about hardcore drummers and metal drummers, fine. But are there any drummers in particular that really like? I don't know if you want to say influence or inspire, but somebody that flipped the way you look at drums and flipped the way you kind of look at adding rhythm to music. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, the two the two names that come to mind most um, that I guess have have influenced my current style most heavily is. Um, uh, ben Collar from Converge. Um, like Jane Doe was just one of those records for me that kind of like shaped the way I was, I wanted to play heavy music and, uh, and just everything else that he's done. Um, all Pigs Must Die, Mutoid Man. It's just like All Pigs Must Die is I try to play like him playing in that band when I play in Carcosa. Like I try to huh. steal as much as I can within industry tolerance from All Pigs Must Die. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That's interesting you know, because Carcosa has a very old school death metal flavor to it. That's that's like a, I, I wouldn't you know expect those two uh, influences to to intersect there. Yeah, I, I try to like when we're writing and when you know like I'm coming up with um, you know like if we're thinking of how to like change parts or whatever, I'll try. I always try to lean. All pigs must die, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, his playing style is just like that's like that's 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 ideally what I would love to do. Um, and then the other one is uh, Paul Klein, who uh, played in Suburban Scum, who we put out our first split with, mm -hmm. yeah. I think. Um, and if you listen to songs that I wrote with Incendiary, like before those splits came out, so pretty much like up until like Crusade, and then like afterwards, it's completely different because like the way he thinks about parts and the way he like places things within grooves and like the, just the grooves yeah. that he has and just like just the just the amount of flavor that he has when he plays it blew my mind like hearing their side of the split and then like mm -hmm. like every ever since then anything that he's played on is just like i try to drink in as much of it as i can just be like how like here's the bar going up and now i, I gotta get over it i i think the thing with hardcore is that it doesn't I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this respectfully because people, you know, hardcore is a much I've I've said it on the show before, it's very youthful music, it's energy driven music. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's not as much room to kind of sit back and articulate a ten minute passage like Merciful Fate or a metal band right. does. But there's room for dynamics and technicality within that 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 framework of hardcore punk music. One of my favorite drummers in hardcore is um uh, Mackie Jason mm -hmm. from uh, uh, Chromags. Uh, Unbelievable. I, yeah, I hope I got the yeah Mackie Jason. So, yeah, I mean I've watched videos of that guy playing live, and you, it just unreal. blows your mind the shit he comes up with, and it seems yeah. all off the cuff, you know. Right, and his style is completely different. So like I'm more of like a metal metal core mm -hmm. leaning type player for hardcore, you know, where I'm not like I'm not. It's like it's like a weird blend of stuff, you know, like. It's, I, you know, pulling from a couple of different places, um, but like his style is just like it's like that bouncy like New York style, like um, Rudder from King Nine 
plays like yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like it, it's like all these different like because that like the, what what type of drummer style you have in a hardcore band determines like the feel of everything else, you know. So it's True. just like th- those like more like bouncier like deep groovy players, you know, like the more like I, I would say like they're like they're like hip hop more like hip hop yeah. influence, yeah. you know, like yeah. with the, with the fills and like a lot of like quick hi hat stuff, you know, like that kind of feeling. Um, you know, which I guess is more of a, a like a New York hardcore style. Well, and then like and then like the way that like me and a couple of other people play, it's more of like a you know like a metalcore hardcore style. Very straightforward. Yeah, and I just bring that up just to kind of you know, like I say, trying to frame this interview. A lot of our listeners are more death metal um, uh, people, so you know mm. it's it's worth checking out something that's not always your your wheelhouse. And you talk about um, your style. I want. I do want to get into incendiary, absolutely. And something yeah. I noticed in reviewing your your recorded output the last two days or so uh, is it definitely is it fair to say? I'll ask you that incendiary takes on a little bit more of a hip hop influence through the years to your most recent material. I would I would say so, yeah. Especially with like the the vocal lines, like yeah. I, I think I think a lot. It's got a lot more. A lot more like groove in it that way, where it's not so much of a staccato delivery, but it's got it's got a little bit more fluidity to it. You know, does that uh, at all influence the way you approach the drums? Then, um, not not necessarily. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's the those kinds of things coming together is kind of what like makes us sound the way that we do. Fair enough. All right, that kind of divergent influences coming together. And we we brought up incendiary. We've got pretty far into this interview without talking about incendiary. Um, so let let's let's bring it up. If I got it right, the band starts in 07, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. before we get into the ground you've covered with that band, tell us a little bit about joining the band and that group of guys. How do you all mix it up? Okay. Um, so the band was around for like six months before I joined, um, and a bunch of uh, the. Um, they were all friends from Smithtown area, um, and then three of the guys moved to Boston. They were all going to school up there, oh. and uh, Brendan and Dan Turr, who played bass, were still you know in the area, and they wanted to continue the band. Um, and again, Tom from Straight from the Path was just like, "Yo, <laughs> you know, like I know things with you and Alfie are ending. There's this other band that's doing stuff. If you want to play heavy music, talk to Dan Turr." And just I knew Dan Turr. Yeah, from, right. <laughs> yeah, still seriously, man. Tom's my boy, for real. Strings we, from we, the past. We, we played, we played roller hockey together. He used to live down the block from me. We played categories every night for like two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Tara. what's it called? So, like, Nichols. he was just like, Bowling yeah, man. go talk to Dan Terry. So, again i talked to them and they were yeah, like yeah let's, uh, wait hold let's on that's a direct but uh was yeah. uh, was dan Terra's uh bowling name uh dan Terra because we, we were just <laughs> having a little uh sidebar over here does he oh. like pantera yeah and his did, name did, did he Ooh, type in I dan Terra before he started bowling uh strikes uh like he, he was he uh, handing out advice on on where you should play your drums yeah no he he should he should have done that but um no i don't think he ever did <laughs> There's still time. They're opening up the bowling alleys. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Bowling should be That's open true. soon. We'll get a heavy hole bowling uh, situation. Yeah, going wear on. your mask, yeah, sterilize right. the ball. We'll be good to go. Yep. All right. There we go. Uh, so sorry to interrupt, brother. All right. So, oh yeah. So um, so yeah. He says go talk to Dan Terra, and I talked to Dan Terra, and then the band continues on, and we had um, this other guy Kevin playing guitar, and uh, and then Rob came in, 
And then, so it was me, Rob, this kid Kevin on guitar, and then uh, Danter playing bass. And then, I for some reason, I did not gel with this kid Kevin at all. I mean, well, he was a nice enough guy, but I just was not feeling we couldn't we couldn't write together we were button heads yeah. a lot and so i remember at the so at the time i was working at a self-storage place and i was renting out storage units to my friends under the table as practice spaces um and so i had a practice allegedly. space for myself what there. was this place allegedly um in i guess the, the kind of like farmingdale towards amityville area um, no, this was in Blue Point at the end of Nichols Road. Okay, no reason. Legend. No reason at all. No reason. Yeah. Go ahead. No Go ahead. Okay. I drive a um, car. I'm on roads. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just remember going to Bob one time before practice, just like, yo, do you like this Kevin guy? I mean, he's nice and all, but I just can't, I can't work with this guy. <laughs> and so Kevin, and Bob was just like, yeah, I don't know. He kind of sucks. I don't know. I was just not into it. If you, so after that practice, I was just like, yo, we got to get someone else. And then like Kevin no showed like two, no call, no showed like two shows, like performances. Oh, and, no, yeah. no, no, no. That's you a perfect excuse that. for you. <laughs> you know? And oddly wound up filling in for those because he was, he was uh, tour managing for This Is Hell. And I think he was just home at the time. And, huh. Um, he was playing in Soldiers, and so he was just like, yeah, you know, I'll, co- I'll cover some shows. And then it was just like, yo, we should just steal Audley and have him be in the band forever. And um, and then that was it. And then then we uh, then we just started getting to work, you know. All right. And, yeah, and uh, if I got it right, the first release was Amongst the Filth, 7-inch, yep. 2008. Um did, now there was, a, I, there was a demo. There was a demo before that, but that was the first release with me in the band. That was the first like seven inch that we put out. Okay, well, I'm, what I'm getting at is, did you did you actually record anything with any of your bands before that? Oh, good question. Yes. Oh yeah, I recorded a lot um, before that. Um, okay. So Fire for Effect, we recorded like uh, we recorded a full length, and then like five or six songs after that, a bunch of other bands that I was in, we recorded a couple of like you know like six song five song demos at, a, at places um some people needed a drummer just to come in and record drums for this rock and roll record that they did so i learned the songs in a couple of days and went and played drums and got you know you know got some money for that so that was like you know it's like so stuff like that i'd been doing yeah, uh, yeah. before recording with incendiary for sure Dr- yeah drummers there's always work for drummers these um, are uh, discogs deep cuts yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. And like, I, my my whole thing was like, don't say no. So I just, I just, pl- I just played as much as I could. A good attitude for uh, any young musician who wants to cut their chops. Um, and so now, with with that uh, incendiary, I mean, I remember even uh, early on, you guys seem to have been very active and building up a following fairly quickly. Is that fair to say? Um. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Right. So I mean. Uh, like around here, I mean, like we definitely played a lot of beat shows, but like, you know, it, it, it took a little bit, but, you know, people figured, I guess, like just figured, hey, you know, like these guys are cool to listen to. I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you build a file and, you know, playing beat shows is a big part of it. We did mm-hmm. uh, our most recent for the Patreon people. We do bonus episodes where I just complain and I vent and I, I, I bitch about everything. And I talked about. People who've been some of my own bands over the years, friends of mine, really. You know, I'm not like judging people, but just people who kind of like expect to get put on because they think their music is better than everyone else, and they don't want to play the mm. the shows for nobody on a Monday night at a bar in you know Port Jefferson or whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, and playing those shot shows 
you know, I mean, obviously with COVID, everything has changed, but, you know, hopefully we get some sense of normalcy eventually. And just like the younger musicians, the younger bands, you got to play those shows. You got to get out there and just mm-hmm. do it and say, like you said, don't say no. Uh, a right. similar attitude, I think, should be taken to like, you know, taking shows. Obviously, you don't want to sell tickets and get ripped off and pay to play and all that nah, sort of stuff. Pay to play bullshit. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying that. But there's definitely those chant those things where you just got to show up and pay a set and you might not make money. And maybe there's not a lot of people there, but you stick it out long enough. That's how you make a network of people. And that's how you get it. You know, it's 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 uh, something to be said for that. For sure. And like all of us were either like going to college or had full-time jobs the entire wow, time yeah. this band has been in existence so yeah. like i always call it the uh, the hardcore army reserve it's two weekends a month and one week a year and <laughs> that's all the vacation time we would have <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> dude. I, I know exactly the hustle you're talking about man that's what i've been on i've st- I, I have a very uh low paying um uh, allegedly shitty job to be to begin with and the only reason i've stayed there as long as i have is because i get really good health care and mm-hmm. I get five weeks paid vacation a year. Oh, and totally. and I use that, you know, for for the band to go on tour. It would be before COVID and everything. You know, the switch off mm-hmm. is I make shit money, you know. But it, but it is what it is. There's a lot of like DJs, rappers, d- different types of people like that who work at my job. You know, session musicians because you can get the time mm-hmm. off. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's and, the, and it affords you that availability for sure. Yeah. I, so I, like we would just like hit the Northeast. You know, we'd go up to Boston. Yep. We play Pennsylvania. We play. We played the shit out of New Jersey. We played Albany like twenty times. You know, yep. like you know, name a SUNY school. We've played there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out upstate New York. Yeah, I had, yeah. Canada. We played SUNY. We um, played up in New Paltz uh, a few times. Good times. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Uh, Dan, I always thought you guys fucking really did it. Uh, like smartly because there are so many bands or so many people that join bands in that in that like you know uh late adolescent uh kind of you know college year uh well they'll be like uh all right well i'm in a band now so i'm gonna be a rock star i'm gonna drop out of everything Uh, i'm gonna quit my job and i'm just gonna do this you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And that's not there. That wasn't necessarily a realistic uh, expectation in the uh, mid two thousands, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> late two thousands kind of deal. Um, right. So putting in the work uh, consistently in your private life and and your and private life, professional life uh, to pay the bills, and your your uh, creative life, uh, you know, being a musician. Uh, uh, in terms of like where you're at now, I always thought that was very an admirable thing, a very inspirational thing uh, that I think is kind of uh, the the more modern way to go about it than you know your uh, your your tired uh, '80s guitar hero uh, sort of style <laughs> of of approaching uh, being in a band. You know, what I mean? where it's nothing comes easy, man. It's it's work every step of the way in all aspects of your life. Yeah, and but also, I mean, thank you, you know, for 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 that, man. That's a uh... It means a lot um but it's, i think also we just got super lucky you know like we like we just kind of like rang the bell at the right time and you know i think that the that weekend warrior business model that we were doing kind of like made made it a limited you know like a limited time offer like a hot commodity kind of thing where you know there was still it was like the tail end of the you know like you need to tour 300 days out of the year like yeah, bands take this 360 then, deal it's it's good deal you know yeah <laughs> yeah take you know day. yeah it's like so there was like there was there was like it was like that kind of like wave i guess kind of like was maybe losing a bit of steam because 
you know, they'd be playing the same area maybe like once or twice in that tour cycle. And people would just be like, oh, I don't need to go to the show because I'm going to see them in six months when they play here again. Yeah. You know, but, it, but you know, like we became kind of like a thing where it's just like, hey, you know, Florida, this is the one time we're playing here this year. So if you want to, if you live in this area and like surrounding three states and you want to see us, like you'll come to the show. And like, you know, in not so many words, but it's just mm -hmm. like, it just wound up working out that way because we do not have the time to play everywhere that we wanted to. There's like cities that we haven't even played yet once, which is nuts that we've been like dying to play like Denver, you know, like never gone there. And we really need to go there. You've done like international dates, right? Like I remember talking yeah. to Rob, you guys fly places for Japan three days. Weekends. And <laughs> like, it, like the business model really works. It's, um, yeah. it's great. Yeah, you know, and, and then you, you, know, you get to, I guess, pick and choose what you play a little bit more, you know, like you like, so you don't have to like, we got to a point where we didn't have to say yes to everything where it could be like, you know, like, oh, well, we only have a limited amount of time this year. What's going to be the best use of it, you right. know, and then. I mean, like you said, like flying to Europe for the weekend, our flight got delayed one time going to the Netherlands to play a festival there. So like we wound up like flying like overnight landing, like literally f 45 minutes before we were supposed to play, like getting there, loading out, playing. It's like, OK, thank you. Good night. And then like going to sleep and then flying back the, the next day, you know, <laughs> like at noon, you know, it was just breezing into Amsterdam for a quick how's your father and then right back out <laughs> that's crazy man yeah well that's something too is that talking about touring like I'm sure you probably had this where people in your family or your personal life are like wow you get to see all these crazy places and mm -hmm. stuff and you're like yeah but we kind of drive in play the show and drive like it's not like you really get a lot of time to go sightseeing right yeah, not an exceptional amount. We, I mean, like, you know, in the past couple of years, we've made sure, like, if it's, a like, a super yeah. interesting place or a place that we might not be again for a while, we might pad out with, like, a day, you know, at the beginning or end or both if, we, if we're lucky, you know, like, with the times for flights and stuff. Um, especially, you know, when you're gaining time flying back home, you know, you could kind of chill on a spot a little bit later and it's not so bad with the time difference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's like a cheat code, man. Like, we've been able to do so much stuff that like there's no way a band that plays infrequently as we do should get away with but somehow <laughs> somehow we, we just do it man it's fucking it's i don't i don't i don't you know take it for granted for a second yeah i mean you mentioned luck before but also you guys put in the work so you know it takes the two things and uh you know you you, you can't be without either and uh mm -hmm. yeah put you, in that work you got to open up a lot of empty shows before you can headline a few packed ones. You know, that's that's usually how it goes. It, it, one more thing. It's, it's interesting, too, because, um, you know, you, you get to a certain point in a, in a band and there was that. Uh, and maybe this is just picking back enough what we just said, but there's that um, you there, there's that model or something to, to go by where it's like, all right, well, you know, now you're at this certain point. Um, you need to tour uh, consistent, like consistently, whatever. And then a lot of bands get to that point and, they, you know, one, two, four people or whatever in that band can't make the sacrifice to tour completely. Uh, but you guys have, have, have kind of made a decision, like, to, to work collectively in, in all five of yours, like, work style. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, what, what was that conversation like? Was there even a conversation? Was it just like, well, this is just, it, you know, is what it is? Or was there a conversation of like, oh, well, you know, maybe if we all dropped everything, we could take this band like severely to the next level. But because of this is what all, all of our lives are like, and we don't want to sacrifice that, you know, we're going to sit back in, in this and, and uh, 
and kind of play because this has been working for us and like kind of do that like you um, have you ever had that conversation we i mean we all kind of were on the same page as you know the 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 years were turning on you know and yeah. um we all started the band like a little bit older so it's not like we were like you know 18 19 20 you know where it's just like yeah i work at a pizza place to uh, fuck you steve and then you know not show up at your pizza place job next week but then you could also get it back when you come back in a month because the guy just needs help always yeah, yeah, you know steve, yeah steve needs help for steve, sure. you know you just talk to steve again and get your huh. pizza place job back it's yeah. not a big deal you know like but it was just like okay so brendan's finishing graduate school like i'm you know i i just got a nine to five job you know stuff was going on and it was just like we were all just like okay we all know that there's no way we could tour full time right and it was just like yes it's like okay we're just gonna do the most that we can with the time that we have and it was just like okay cool that's just the way it's gonna be you know and like no one was under this like you know illusion that one day we'll be able to make enough money to quit our jobs because you don't you don't make money playing hardcore you just do it because you like playing music you know and every yeah. once in a while you get mm -hmm. to do something really cool so you know that's that's why I, you know like we knew that we weren't gonna have enough money to keep the lights on being in a band yeah. have we turned down some like really crazy shit absolutely and it sucks <laughs> but like you know that's what happens like we just don't it's just not possible and we're not like under any pretense that it is that's awesome man it's it's uh it's incredibly humbling and and like it's fucking amazing i love the incendiary business model for being in a fucking band <laughs> yeah i love it it's, it's my it's, favorite thing I somehow it, somehow it, somehow i manage i drink to it every day it's amazing <laughs> cheers it's um well you know it sounds so simple uh, that you would have a conversation about that sort of thing, but there's so many bands that don't have conversations that yes. don't communicate yes. effectively. Yep. Oh my god! Uh, and you know, I've even uh, I, I guess some people thought that maybe I was taking shots or that I was talking shit or something like that. But all I you know I said one time on social media, it's really important for young bands to have a conversation about where where you're looking to go with this and what you're looking to do with this if uh if somebody is is like uh you know a lifer that wants to do it all the time and do it for, you know if somebody's a weekend warrior there's nothing wrong with any approach to doing this type of music and prioritizing work or family or education or whatever first above the music but having that conversation and that open line of communication where all band members are on the same page can save you so much ugliness and stress yep, after sure. a few years when those opportunities mm -hmm. are getting offered to you and that sort of thing, you know, then you don't have to, you know, have uh, different band members who have different um, wants and needs and, and expectations, most importantly. Yeah, I, you know? I guarantee you, uh, Dan, some, some of the offers that you guys have probably been gotten would have... Uh, lost some people friends over the arguments ah. uh, oh, that yeah, they would have had over it. You know what I mean? Right. And, there would uh, have been people quitting bands. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. And, thousand and percent. That's why it's like, you know, uh, perspective is incredibly important. And 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 honesty and and will like you said, man, those conversations, man. And uh and yeah, you know, if somebody just uh you got you guys check this out too, man. If you go in like uh, you know, you go into your lead singer's bedroom and like oh the only thing he has is like a denim vest like maybe you could have that conversation like earlier than that, anything like that. You know, if he doesn't have any other clothes, you know, he <laughs> just right, only has. Right. You know what I'm saying? All right, Justin. okay. It's, all right. it's just, just it's important to like not have like two people be like we need to tour full time out of a four person band, and the other two people being like, well, I have to go to school, and the other person's like, yeah, I need to work. You know, I can't really tour that much. You're gonna get into a lot of 
unnecessary arguments. You know, right. It's just better if everyone's on the same page. There's- yeah, the communication is key. Um, and, you know, we talk about incendiary a lot. Something I don't want to let go, though, is a band, uh, another local band that you've been involved in for several years now, Carcosa. Yeah. Uh, and you know, shout out to Tim, your singer. Um, oh, I've, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've known, I've known him uh, uh, through the years. I was introduced to him by Tom Ander from um, my band Buckshot, and seen him at shows, and some of the other guys from from Carcosa. But um, I just wanted to give some light to Carcosa, a local band that kind of is known, I guess, I guess you could say, for kind of like flirting the line between uh, old school death metal and Long Island hardcore in a way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like a very accurate description. Right, yeah. So, so just talk if you can. Uh, you know, we we talked a little bit about incendiary. Your, um, uh, I believe it's your second full length. Uh, Cost of living came out in two thousand thirteen, right? Mm-hmm. So you you talk about how incendiary's business model. You're busy guys, some you know job guys, family, school, whatever. You're doing the weekend warrior thing. What pops into your head around two thousand fourteen that says I should be in this other band? <laughs> Um, well, all, I mean, I was probably in four bands at the time. Okay. What are the other you two? Know, um, Pilgrims of the Fingertips. And then like there was, what else was I playing at the time? I forget. But I was, I was basically <laughs> drummers, having, man. Drummers, I was yeah. having, there's between, only five like, of them. There's only five of them. <laughs> I was having like between three to four practices a week, but I would double stack them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Jesus. So like Tuesday, I would practice. So I get out of work at five thirty, and I would get to the practice base by six. So my first practice was like from six to eight thirty, and then I would do like nine to eleven thirty or nine till question marks um, with the next band. Um, I played in this band annulment for a little bit. Um, you know, so it was like I had to learn a bunch of songs with that. So there was like in there was a good stretch of years where I was in at least four bands Insane. at all times. Wow. Drummers be drumming. Yeah. Drummers be drumming. So, yeah. I, these drummers, man. So uh, Carcosa, take us into that a little bit, because I do have a, a question about some of your earlier shows and stuff. But just tell us a little bit about the band forming and how you fall. In, do you know those guys before the band or? Um, yeah. I mean, much like every other band that I've been in, I knew nobody in the band right, the, the guy from straight from the path didn't you hook you up with them did he no no I, this wasn't right, a okay, connection okay. no 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 um actually rick from extinction ad yeah, came up to me oh former guest show. of the show yeah, fuck yeah. yeah we've had him on yeah love rick um rick was like yo lamelli you should talk to timo because he's doing a band and they need a good drummer and you should go play in his band hell yeah and I said, okay, and I just talked go, yes. to him at the show. Yes, sir. And, <laughs> and I was just like, hey, uh, Rick told me that you needed a drummer for a band. And I think Tim was drunk. We were at AMH. And Tim was just like, yeah, you should you should play drums for my band. I was like, okay, cool. And, uh, <laughs> and then I was like, what are you looking to do? And he's like named, rattled off a bunch of band names. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do it. And um, and that's how I joined the band. That was it. And then we okay. just started writing together. They, they don't think, I don't think they had another drummer before me. You know, so we all just kind of started a clean slate. It was pretty cool. Okay, and the question I had is, if I, I don't remember exactly how far along it was, but didn't you guys open for Danzig fairly op- uh, uh, early in your career? Yeah, at the Paramount, which was crazy. I don't, I still don't know how that happened, but it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, what year was that? It was like 2014, 15, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, some, and, I mean, um, I, I know it was a few years back. I remember Christian. that. Yeah, it was it was 
we, we opened and Mutoid Man played and then Danzig played. Wow. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean. Nuts. All right. We played so, with Crowbar like twice, I think. I will. Uh, Crowbar is sick. A little mm. bit more, I think, like, 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 like it's not as unlikely and random and weird as Danzig. Like, like a yeah. Long Island hardcore band opening for Crowbar, it, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, op- like, so I mean, take me through opening for like. Did you guys at any point meet Danzig? He, we saw him walk through the backstage area. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, like, tiny creepy Elvis and. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like hey guys how's it going and just like walked through hey, and then hello. that was the last time we saw him um wow. and so initially we as soon as we were done we were supposed to like not be allowed on stage anymore but like i know a bunch of people who work at the paramount was like can i just please watch mutoid man <laughs> and yeah. they were like yeah, yeah you could watch mutoid man <laughs> so i just hung out on stage and watched mutoid man and that, that was it. All that right, man. So all right. So no, no weird Danzig stories that you're no allowed weird to tell. Danzig stories. All right. All no, right. Did, I did, he was he was friendly. You did know? did yeah, you have to sign some up. sort of weird waiver, non-disclosure? Oh, there was a thing. <laughs> there was a thing. Be careful what you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there was there. It was either like, like it was either like taped to the walls in the back or like a thing that someone told us who worked there regarding a Danzig thing, but I don't remember what it was exactly, but uh, I know it was you, something you like You signed no it, pictures. so you can't tell us, bro. I know where this is going. All right. Okay. That's okay. I don't want you, I don't want anybody getting in trouble because of the podcast. You okay. Can, you keep, can keep your Danzig secrets, yeah, exactly, right? That's what I was going to say. God, I wish I had Danzig secrets. Oh, my God. All right. So, uh, and the, pa- I mean, the Paramount in general, that's a pretty, like, it's a fairly prestigious venue for that's Long something. Island for a more underground band. I mean, that's, that's that, that must have been cool, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I saw Slayer and Judas Priest there, so I mean, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, now talking about uh, Long Island hardcore things like that, we already we already covered the VFW section of the um, the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made it to the Paramount. What about when you get out of state? I know Incendiary, you guys have played some fairly uh, you know well attended, well promoted uh, uh, events outside outside of New York, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. What 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 comes to your mind? What are some of your favorite memories? Oh man, um, I think it was this is hardcore 2016. Yeah, um, it's that a big was one. like this is hardcore. that was a big one. That was a big one. Um, and we 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 had played this hardcore a couple of times, but that was like by far like because I think the lineup that year was nuts. I think Converge played the same way yeah. day we did, and Nails played, and um, we just had a really great reaction there. Um, one of the last shows that we played before everything shut down was in Los Angeles. It was like a closed casket kind of like showcase kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was the biggest headliner we ever had. I think it was, it was over 1200 people um, out in LA, which was like, wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The lineup was great. It was just like, a, just like a great weekend, you know, all around um, the shows that we played in Texas the year before that, um, with a uh, creeping death, um, so sick, so sick. I think Homewrecker was on those shows too. I want to say good band, good band. Um, yeah. But uh, that that was just like the response that we got out there because that was like we had been to we had played Texas one other time, and it was kind of like a like a you know it was kind of, it was it was good but it was like kind of like an okay festival, um, and then so we we were kind of reluctant to go back there, and then these two shows it just blew the roof off, and it was just like yeah, why haven't we been here more often? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know? So, so, 
Now, we talk about that. What about uh, there had to be at least one of these experiences where you go on the road and you're in some, you know, some random place out of state and -hmm. you show up and it's like a dirt floor bar or DIY venue. Like what's what's like the most like underground grimy place you ever showed up to away from home? Oh, I mean, geez. Well, I mean, locally, there's the Meat Locker. Shout out the Meat Locker. That place Hell rules. Oh, yeah. I but love the Meat Locker. Great if you know venue. the Meat Locker, you know the Meat yes, Locker. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, played some places like that um, in various parts of the country. I'm that trying to bathroom think is was... suspect. Yeah. Oh, there's a bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> I, the green room, I guess you could call it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, yeah, you missed out. But but yeah, I mean like there's you know um the first time we went to Europe, we just like booked it ourselves. We went with this band Iceberg and um you know, we you know, we played a couple like punk squats, so that was like yeah. interesting and fun. Um but yeah, you, you know, you get you, like Meat Locker in other places is essentially like yeah. the, the standard, yeah. you know. <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> like, I, I can see that. that. Yeah, it's a vibe. Yeah. So what no you know we've talked about violence at hardcore shows and stuff like that in the past mm-hmm. on the on the show uh and I you know obviously the scene has changed over the years and it's not as stereotypically dangerous as maybe some people think who aren't part of it but what is some of you know what is like the most um I don't know if you want to say violent or out of control thing you've ever seen take place at a show you know, and we know a lot of the time it's just some. It could be some random drunk who's not even there for the music or something. You know, we're not stereotyping the scene. But what's the most out of control thing you ever saw take place? Oh, I mean, just like huge fights in small spaces. I mean, that's like the definition of it. You know, yeah. like you just yeah. you see the yeah. inciting incident, and then you see some people talk, and then I mean, so if you want to go back to like, so it's like the the dark era for heavy music on long island where we like cannibalized a lot of venues it was like 2002 to 2006 yeah. you know where like it was like the height of the beatdown thing the crazy you know? donkey the downtown yeah. right Ugh. right Ex- tracks track on tracks i gotta wash saints my and, hands hold on saints and sinners hungarian hall this guy um, said saints and sinners with the depeche <laughs> mode with the yeah the place that would have like beatdown hardcore shows yeah. on the fucking mm. on middle country road was it no yep. no no it was 347 347 route, route 347 if you if i could only paint this picture for the listeners of route 347 at midnight on a thursday and you're watching some like local beatdown bands play in this wannabe goth club next to a dunkin donuts yeah, in a strip yeah, yeah. Did, did i get the anything wrong bagels no nope. oh there, my god there, saints and sinners was a vibe and a half okay tiki, i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah. tiki joe's i think it was next to the last oh. roy rogers or something oh like yeah that. tiki joe's out that, that, that was way out east man the last um, roy rogers man rest the last roy rogers for real all right yeah um but yeah so like it was during that era where it was just like super violent for no reason yeah you know a lot of like the crew the, like the crew type pa- stuff and the punch your face stuff. remember punch your face crew yeah, well, yo, yeah. Uh, re- respect to those gentlemen yeah. if they're yeah. listening <laughs> I, I don't want the beef i don't want the beef sir you shout to them in their g-unit gloves that but, they would um, wear. so it was like a lot of like a lot of like fighting around there and then we lost a lot of venues because people didn't you know, like some sixteen-year-old kid was getting like back kicked in the throat. And yeah, his parents would soon sue the venue, and then they didn't have enough money to cover. You know, they like were, a tracheotomy. Yeah. So like they, they were just yeah. like they were not doing these shows anymore because this has happened yeah. too many times. Dude, um, I, I remember like Saints and Sinners. Like there was, 
an, yeah, an alleged crew of that era, and like they would like wear the bandanas and dress like G Unit at shows and stuff, and like. And there was a little, there was like the performance area at Saints and Sinners, and then there was like some couches by the bar. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one kid, like his crew would always start fights at shows, and he was like the smallest guy, so he would always do the most fucked up shit to bystanders because he knew they, that his crew had his back. He just like backflipped onto a couch that had like three people sitting onto it. Just like, brow, like, like, like belly flopped onto a couch onto all these people, man. And like yeah. that, that set it off. It was like, you know, and now those people for getting belly flapped on, like they had beef with his crew. So, you know, for beef, or, yeah, or like dude. you know, like uh, like party expo. You know, like out. You know, out. In, oh like, my god, we talked about party expo with. Uh, okay, 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 go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah go no, on. Like party expo or the Morgan. The Morgan in Brooklyn was a fucking violent place. Jeez. That mm-hmm. was like a no holds barred castle. You know, like great place to see shows freezing cold in the winter but it was just you know it was just like one of those things where like yeah. we had you know like you have to remind every after every band hey please don't have a fight <laughs> <laughs> well you know, i guess it's kind of circumstance of long island a lot of young men hate their dads and they need to show everyone else yeah, yeah you know, dude i i love my dad uh, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's why i'm into technical death metal please like, check out our merch table yeah. uh, buy a cd uh, check out a shirt no, uh, they, don't have a fight <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. The uh, some of the behavior uh, definitely ruined a lot of venues. And uh, mm-hmm. God <laughs> damn, sure. man. Yeah, you've seen so much of that shit. Yeah. Know? So like, it took a little bit of policing and whatever, but you know, then it got to got to a point where there was like a decent amount of venues that did shows again because they trusted people again to yeah. do shows. You know, so um, I mean, there is that. There is still that violent element. I mean, you know, you don't you don't kick a skunk's ass and expect not to smell the next day you know like you, huh. you you put yourself in harm's way shit's gonna happen yeah. so it's like yeah. just what happens here it's like what you know you're gonna get pushed or hit or kicked into but it's not on purpose you know whatever just well, deal that, with it. it's I intention think, I think that speaks to why a lot of the time it is usually it's some person who's maybe just at the bar or at the spot and they don't know the music oh. Cause they, cause I've seen it before. People misinterpret right. the moshing and the and the aggressive yeah. dancing, and they think, oh, I'll, these kids are, just, I'll just go in there and start punching people, and I'll be accepted. Like, no, it's not. It's it's yeah. usually, it, dude. I've, I, I don't know. You want to talk about Long Island places? There was what was the place? Um, in fucking Copac, was it Zebras or some shit? It was just some. Oh, the Zebra Lounge. The Zebra. Oh yeah, yeah. You're like, I know it well. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Zebra Lounge in Copac. Yeah, yeah. It was like an '80s hair metal type of place mm-hmm. but it also had a, like a pool table for the locals yeah. it was yeah, it was a re- and then and then every once in a while there would be like a hardcore show there or a metal show right. it was really right. weird vibe man yeah well yeah the, the the tourists always come in one of two flavors it's the you know like oh well i've seen uh limp biscuit before i yeah. know what's yeah. going on here and then yeah. they just hop in and start jumping up and down with their oh. shirt off and their nipple rings out pushing everyone and this is right. where the nookies at Okay. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. or it's the drunk local holding two full cups of beer yes, walking sir. into the middle of the pit just before like the bell in the china hit. Yes. And then next thing you know, it's beer all over the floor as this guy gets kicked square in the chest like oh. 300 yeah. on the first note. And John Bonner played like, drums. I'm here, dude. <laughs> I I saw full of hell of all bands too. This was this. I mean, they were pretty big at that point, but it was like a few years ago before they really blew. And I saw Full of Hell at the Zebra Lounge in Copac, <laughs> which is funny. To, it's funny just to say Full of Hell at the Zebra Lounge in Copac now because they're they're pretty big now. Shout out to those guys. But 
A drunk local. He actually turned out to be dating one of the bartenders, so he was just hanging out for the night. He didn't know, not know there. He was like, oh, as, no. as yeah, as typical as your typical kind of like middle aged drunk Long Island guy could mm-hmm. be. And I guess he just saw full of hell performing, doing what they do, and he thought it was appropriate to walk up and grab the microphone away from Dylan the singer and just start screaming. Like, like oh, he, he obviously did not know the words or the song. <laughs> nope. Yeah, he was like, this is what it's about. This is what we're doing. We're just screaming at the, for no reason. And, like, it didn't get too violent. But, like, a bunch of his fan, like, a bunch of full of hell fans mm-hmm. kind of grabbed the mic away from him and, like, sh- like just kind of, like, rushed him out the door, you know, yeah, yeah. which was funny because he walked back in a few minutes later because his girlfriend was working at the place or whatever. But, but he kind of, like, got the point at that, you know, right. he, like, he stayed away from the stage. Yeah. That, it's like just what you're talking about, the, the Long mm-hmm. Island like local tourists, you know. It's yeah. Oh god. All right. So I'm getting depressed now talking about the fucking zebra lounge. I miss <laughs> going to shows right now. I'm getting I, really hurt, dude. I, I'm sure hey, you do too, uh, man. Damn, dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got a Amityville Music Hall, St. Vitus. You know, uh, all these. Ve- I love them. Open up, open up tomorrow, please. I love these people. Uh, mm-hmm. Zebra Lounge, take a break. All right, take, <laughs> take a snooze. The, we'll call you in a few round. months. All right, <laughs> wait, wait to see what Cuomo says about reopening Zebra Lounge. All right, <laughs> uh, all the other venues, I love you. Um, all right, but but getting getting back on track here though, um, we've had you on the line for quite a while. We appreciate it. I don't I don't want to take up all your time tonight. We want to be respectful of your time, like we always say on the podcast. Cool. Um, we know that uh, Incendiary's most uh, recent release in 2017, Thousand Mile Stare. I got that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything going on? Any plans behind the scenes? New recordings? Uh, stuff going on? You've been working during the pandemic. I don't know. Uh, yeah, me and um, Audley have been working on writing some stuff. Um, we all kind of like had interesting trajectories over the uh, over the pandemic. I, me and my wife had a had a baby, and we bought a co-op. So top, that's man. where we are now. Congratulations, um, congrats, brother! Thank you very much. Yeah, um, our. One guitar player, Bob, he went to computer coding school. He did a, you know, hard change in his career. So he, you know, had, he was like MIA for the whole time. He was just held up in school and stuff like that. Our watch passwords because he's hacking them. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I remember ta- hacking the planet. I did catch up with Bob after that. That's, um, you know, it seems to be a very rewarding thing if anyone's looking for career changes because that changed his life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, he was like, he was miserable where he was, and you know he feels a lot better now. Yeah, man. Shout out to him. Love, love him uh, so much. Good brother. Yeah, you know, and like you know, we all, you know, we were, we were all just like differently busy, um, but me and Audley tried to keep like a, a standing appointment, you know, just to like meet up and play. Um, mm-hmm. Got a cut, bunch of stuff written, and now we're just starting to uh, to to roll it out and you know see what sticks. Awesome, and and um, <clears throat> with Carcosa. Uh, we know you guys released in 2019 your most recent demo. There's nothing that's come out since then, right? Not since, but um, we're working on vocals for. I think it's. I think we got six songs on there. Um, we just we just finished recording the uh, the the instruments, and so now we're just working on vocals. Okay, and I know this the 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 prior to the 2019 demo, the self-titled EP. Did that come out on State of Mind Re- Records? Yes. Yeah, uh, that's an old, old, old friend of mine. Uh, we call him Punk Rock, uh, my buddy Dave uh, from Huntington here. Shout out to State of Mind Records. Um, great great label for the punk and hardcore uh, more more type of uh, the scene. Um, are you going to be working with them again, or was that a one-shot deal? 
Um, I'm not sure who's going to put out the next stuff. Um, All right. You know, that uh, it's always a guessing game, but we'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see what works out. Yeah, he's he's sly like a fox. Uh, he, he's always <laughs> he's got his finger on the pulse of the scene. He's he's always yeah. He, you got to watch punk rock. He's he's crazy over there. Um, no, shout to oh, old friend of mine, man. I joke. Uh, and also, you brought up before closed casket activities. Yeah, uh, which is the label that's um, always worked with Incendiary, if I got mm-hmm. that right, right? So, could you tell us a little bit about just that label and your relationship with them? Um, yeah, I think we we got on to Close Casket fairly early on in its uh, in its in its existence. Um, Justin was a you know associate of ours. He was uh, doing um, some screen printing like shirts up there as well. So we would you know started the label and um, you know like. We it was like I forget if it was um, which if it was one of the splits that we put out with him was the first release with Close Casket. I think it was. I think it was the Zabalba split came out on that, um, and uh, and that started like our relationship with him. And it's just and like he you know he knew that we weren't going to be a full time touring band, and you know he knew us from playing Albany a thousand times, and so like you know it just it seemed to fit, and it's like been the, seriously the best relationship you know we could ask for it you know everything just works so well yeah yeah it actually just your some of your artwork that the um uh the actual like what like like what was it uh, made in new york scribbled on the casket is one of your oh, t-shirts in new york yeah yeah yeah, a, yeah, john, yeah, john, yeah john contino shout out to john contino yeah i just um, i thought because it fits so well with the name closed casket activities i thought maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. it was your guys own label before i researched into it no, no, that was uh, part of John's uh, layout design for the Cost of Living record. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's such a brilliant piece of art, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it really is because it's like it's as somebody who you know lives and works and and grieves in New York every yeah, day yeah. of my life. It just kind of mm-hmm. really hit home that you know what I mean. It's like at the end of the day, it's it's one of yeah. those transcendent pieces of uh, yeah. of artwork that uh, it you know. Uh, if if people don't like your band, they'll be into, and if they're into it, they'll try to like your band. You know, yeah, because of how much yeah. You could definitely sell a lot of those uh, uh, shirts and and merchandise with that that on it, probably to people who just live in New York and it's, don't oh, don't know about hardcore we've, music. We printed all. that shirt yeah. in a thousand colors, and we'll probably print it in a thousand. It's more. just yeah. good. It's yeah. just good design. It's uh, yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, again, that was that was another thing that we just got. You know, speaking of just being lucky, like you know, just like reaching out to John and him being an old Long Island hardcore guy and mm-hmm. liking the band, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, and it was just he just threw him into that project and we got an amazing amazing product from it so one thing you know we talked to you about what's going on with incendiary what's going on with carcosa during the pandemic lately one last thing i wanted to ask you about was you were featured in the cover version of i guess it's halloween 2 uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, by the misfits um Mm -hmm. uh along with uh liam from dillinger escape plan Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dwid from Integrity and several other artists. I just mentioned yeah. Liam. Shout out to him. I, I've been acquainted with him through the years. Very nice guy. Are did, did you are those people that you've met in real life, or did they just kind of assemble you guys, or how did that work out? Um, the guy from Two Minutes had reached out to Audley to see if he wanted to do it. Audley wasn't available in the time, you know that that they needed the the recording by. He's like, but you should definitely talk to our drummer. He would a thousand percent do that. 
and it just so happens that coincided with when I was recording drums for Carcosa. So it's like, oh, my stuff's going to be set up with mics. All I have to do is just bring a camera and record it. Perfect. 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 Send it over. And so, um, yeah, he sent over a bunch of different tracks for it that I, you know, I listened to that day for the first time and then did like four or five takes and nailed it. It was great. I, I would do a thousand more. <laughs> awesome. I'll be awesome, the house drummer man. for that for that for that gig any day of the week. I mean, what a great what a great show. Yeah. Did you have any yeah. communication with uh Dwid from Integrity at all or? Um no, but we did we did a weekend with Integrity um oh, okay. like a couple years ago. We did we played uh the Pacific Northwest Northwest with them. So Ooh. you know we we hung out with him for that weekend. Super nice guy. He lived down the block from Trent Reznor and Robert Patrick. They're all from like Cleveland and they all live like kind of like in the same neighborhood, which is crazy. <laughs> wow. That yeah. is I I still think Dwight is the coolest out of those three guys. All right, so yeah. But but fair enough. That's that's a weird comment. They're, they're all vampire. They're all vampire adjacent. <laughs> they're, they're they're all there's a, there's all a vampire six degree of separation to those guys. All right, so um, uh, wow, that's in- I never thought of integrity and nine inch nails, but it makes total sense, dude. It's weird. It like uh, all right, so that threw me off. So um, uh, Dan Lamelli, uh, Long Island hardcore drummer extraordinaire, incendiary. Uh, Carcosa, we thank you for your time. We appreciate it. And we always, um, before we let you off the hook, we just want our guests to recommend one newer album and one older album by anybody you want just to recommend music to us and the listeners. Oh, okay. Um, oh, what's something newer that I checked out recently? Oh, um, hold on. One moment, please. Yeah, we, yeah. we can edit. Take all, take all the time. Yeah, we want. do the okay. edit. Oh, wonderful. Well, well Tom um, can edit. I don't edit anything. Yeah, I do a you know I yeah. do a uh, populist. I week. can barely we use edit. a calculator. I, I don't speak in full sentences, so I need it. You're you speak in extra extra large sentences. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. You can't All right. choose. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so count it down: three, two. Okay, so a new record um, that just came out that would be good to check out. Um, God's Hate just put out a record. Ah, you, I fucking knew you were crazy. It. It's banana sandwiches. Um, I, that's all I got to say is banana sandwiches, the artwork, everything. And this is also a closed casket release. So, you know, okay. like, like closed casket kind of has that rep of like, because they got most of the stuff that um, uh, Colin and Taylor uh, Young record out at the pit in California. So okay. like all the heavy music, a lot of the hardcore and like metal adjacent stuff that comes out of there that Justin puts out. It's like same similar kind of relationship with us, you know, so it's like it's like this family of bands that it's just sick to be a part of um but God, definitely check out that god's hate record god's hate okay we'll do yeah and then um i guess for the metally people that might not have you know dabbled with uh with like hardcore metally hardcore um check out hasta la muerte by zabalba huh. um especially mm. if you're into like crowbarry like stoner doom stuff but also like heavy blast beady like you know apocalyptico type stuff definitely check out Zabalba um Asa La Muerte Zabalba is one of those bands that I don't think has any skippable tracks so you could listen to literally any song and it's gonna kick ass period okay hell yeah uh, spell that out for the listeners oh it's X-I-B-A-L-B-A okay that's right and you guys in Incendiary did a split with them too yes we did yeah, yeah. they're our brothers from California man awesome man alright so yeah I recommended stuff <clears throat> um 
Dan Lamelli, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much, brother. We wish you the best uh, in your personal life and your musical life, man, with everything you got going on. And we're going to keep our eyes out for um, the most recent work from Carcosa and from Incendiary. Yeah, man, we should have uh, we should have some stuff coming soon from both of those. So uh, you know, might be around, might be closer than you think. Awesome, man. Uh, any um, any final uh, words uh, for this episode for listeners of your music and listeners of our show? Uh, yeah. Okay. So here's a funny Eddie Trunk story. Um, <laughs> the, the one time I called in to WNYC because he would host the heavy metal show on there, and he would always be on. When I, w- I would work at Geico, the second shift for the payment department, so I'd be out at eleven o'clock. And so I, as I'm walking out, I knew that's when the hotline would open. I'd always request Dream Theater songs. That motherfucker didn't play a single one. I was so pissed. <laughs> Fucking Eddie Trunk, bro. What does he I, know? Yo, he denies me Dream know? Theater on the drive home from Geico in Woodbury oh, back to Selden. Oh it's like Mad Long if you're on Long Island. You know how far that is. Yeah, yeah that's a very, stretch, yeah. man. He's probably playing like uh, like Van Hagar. and UFO. Yeah. Oh, cool. You know, obscure metal bands. Douche. Just play one goddamn Dream Theater song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Flotsam and Jetsam B-side is really ripping from 1987. Well, you Here's know what? Here's another kiss uh, song. I think, uh, Dan, I think you win at the end of the day because radio's dead. And, uh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're on the heavy old yeah. podcast, all right? Yep. Yeah. This, my, is, this is where it's at. My dad the other day, I was talking to my dad. He said, what's going on with the bands? I said, I don't do bands anymore. I'm MTV. I'm in radio. I, yeah. I host the bands, all right? <laughs> all right. Enough about me. Dan, we really appreciate your time, brother. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to you and all your bandmates. Respect, man. And um, okay. Thank you. we'll be in touch in the future as this episode goes up, man. Thank you very much. All right, man. Peace. Later. Thank right, you, my cool. dude. All right, thanks a lot to Dan Lamelli, drummer of Incendiary and Carcosa, two local Long Island hardcore bands. And we appreciate his time uh, talking to him about his story tonight. Good guy. Great to get back to like some local Long Island flavor tonight, talking about BAB. Oh, wow. Talking about landscaping accidents. Oh, God. Yeah, VFW halls. Dude. Uh, hardcore kids beating up innocent bystanders in the early 2000s and getting the venue shut down you know a few years ago i would have said i hated that but now i miss it more than anything yeah i now uh, i love it i miss going out of state to play shows that's i'll just leave it at that all right <laughs> I, I don't long island is is a place uh in our in our in our hearts that's true so uh, i pay tolls for fun yeah just for missing because i miss it so much yeah i yeah i've been i've been driving back and forth to uh i've been driving over the verrazano and just dropping my wallet in the water over the bridge just for just for good, just for old times' sake. I'm only going to ever drive over the Tappan Zee, though, when I go up north. Thank you, Long Island, uh, for not being the impenetrable traffic matrix of New York City. Uh, but we love our friends in, in the city, and we love our friends in the New York hardcore scene, man. Um, so uh, we encourage you to check out everything that Incendiary has done, including their most recent album, 2017's Thousand Miles Stare, so good. on closed casket activities, and Great. also... 
Uh, Carcosa, you can find everything Carcosa's done on uh, their band camp. That's Carcosa, Long Island Hardcore. You can also find us out there. If you're looking for love in all the wrong places, mm-hmm. if you're uh, looking for bonus episodes, if you're looking for something different than love, like aggression, anger, resentment, I got all that for you. Just go to Patreon and drop a couple of dimes on us. Uh, well, no, don't, no, don't drop a dime on us, but you know, drop some money on Patreon, and uh, you can hear me bitch and vetch and, and complain. It's 2021. Two dimes will get you nothing. But, yeah, but yeah. ten dollars yep. will get you the world of the yeah. whole. Bonus episodes. We talk about old music. Mm-hmm. I talk about how much I hate new music. That's right. Yeah, every once in yeah. a while we we talk about news articles written yep. by hacks. It's great. Um, you can get all that. Go to heavyholepodcast.com. The links are there. You want to buy a shirt? You want to buy a patch? Heavy Slash Hole Podcast? Shop. Slash shop. Me and Justin about to do a Photoshop with me wearing the shirts so you can see what's up. That's right. We're going to do a Photoshop about it. Heavyholepodcast.com. Slash shop. Go, yeah, buy the shirt. Go to the Patreon. If you don't want to wear the shirt, if you're ashamed to listen to Heavy Hole Podcast, mm-hmm. And you don't like heavy metal. You just like the sound of my my butterfly-like voice cascading over the airwaves every year. Go to the Patreon. You can support us that way. No one's even got to know about it. It's under the table. Will's voice is the metamorphosis. It is post-cocoon. It is the butterfly. Uh, Come on with this. Listen, you don't have to bring my fetish for mature women into this. The movies (laughs) Cocoon and its sequel, Cocoon 2, were brilliant cinema. That's the only reason I watched them, Justin. Shout out. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. uh, But listen, uh, uh, heavyholepodcast.com for all your needs. uh, Slash shop. Go to the Patreon. You can go to the social medias. Hit us up on the old Instagram. That's right. Uh, But there's a phone number you can call. And I hope that somebody has it handy because if you have a complaint, uh, if you don't like Justin, if you think Justin had too much tequila tonight, before he asked those questions. I have a complaint. Yeah, you can call right up. <laughs> Tom, where can I call, Tom? Yeah, I have if, a complaint. If, if you think I'm a little bit too sexy out here. Where is heavyholepodcastonlyfans.com? Where is it? it where can I see somebody just only, why, only why are wearing you, You're gold? holding your hand around the mic and yelling into it aggressively. Because I'm about to rap right now. You got to just start with dialing one. 